That was just beautiful. So uh, you are blessed, aren't you? Blessed by uh, people who know Jesus and want to give their talents away and worship uh, to God and offer them up. And, um, and just blessed by the prayer. And just, um, I'm just kind of dumbfounded right now. You know, I just had my thoughts together for a while until worship just kind of blew them all away. And, um, but you know what I love? I love, when, I love when the kingdom of God shows up. And you thought you weren't sure if it was there. You know, or God just, that's what I love about Jesus. You know, when you read the Gospels, he just shows up in these situations. Uninvited, not knowing he's coming, and he's there. And this week I was eating lunch in a Japanese restaurant, and they were playing country music. (laughs) Only in America, right? I'm just, you know, trying to have a quick lunch, and I'm in this Japanese restaurant in Redlands, and I was like, this country music? This is like the full experience. And uh, I want to share with you, I just thought about this, do it as you were leading us in prayer, and I really appreciate how you did that today, and the song that led us into prayer. And I'm not going to tell you the name of this artist, but because uh, my guess is this artist typically isn't associated with... with uh, I don't know how to say it, but things that are kosher, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. But this song, you know, the kingdom of God just showed up. And they wrote this song about prayer. And the word says, man on the TV's gone insane. Everybody's just laughing. People crossed the world holding on. The earth caved in. The ocean came down crashing. My neighbor lost his house because he can't find a job. Don't you dare pledge allegiance and don't you dare speak of God. But now I'm begging for forgiveness. I want to make a difference, even in the smallest way. I'm only one person, but I can feel it working. I believe in better days. That's why I pray. Some, uh, I'll just substitute this one. Some mean person, (laughs) some mean video posted as a joke. Somebody's life gets ruined out of everything we can create. Where's the cure to keep the sick from losing? Babies having babies because their parents are always gone. Somehow we have forgotten how to make a house a home. How to make a house a home. But I'm begging for forgiveness and I want to make a difference. In the smallest way, I'm only one person, but I can feel it working. I believe in better days. That's why I pray. These demons from my past haunt me every night, and I just can't get through it. If I could forget them on my own, I'll let go and just move on. But heaven knows I am only human. And that's why I pray. That's why I pray. I just love when the kingdom of God shows up in ways that you just don't expect, in ways maybe the artist didn't even expect. 
But just like Jesus said, if you don't praise me, the very rocks will cry out. And you can hear the gospel through country music in a Japanese restaurant because our God is good all the time. And the food was good too, by the way. Anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, today I want to uh, continue in our series in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, and we are doing the second half of Ephesians. But you know, as I thought about the message this week, I, I was feeling the pace of life. You've been there? Yeah, <laughs> someone's feeling it. You feel the pace of life. I feel it. You feel it. Everyone seems to feel it. Just the speed and the spin and the scatteredness of life. So much. If there's a shortcut, we'll figure it out. Let's take it, right? Save time. If, whatever we can do. Uh, I read this week about uh, a lady that um, figured out a way for her to get in the carpool lane by herself. Uh, well, co- sort of by herself. She decided to make a friend, a uh, little mannequin, and, uh, but she got busted. So uh, we even have a picture of it for you there. So if you're looking for ideas, there's, um, she made this mannequin and put it you know, in the car with her, and she would drive the carpool lane over uh, in the New York area. And, uh, but she blew it because she had sunglasses on the mannequin, and the, and the car visor was down, and it was a cloudy day. So the police caught on to that pretty quick and uh, found out that uh, there you go. But we just can't get to where we need to go fast enough, right? Um, I learned something else interesting this week. The speed of ketchup. Heinz, Heinz says that ketchup comes out of the bottle at .028 miles per hour. Now I found out and I confirmed it with our specialist over here. Uh, who works with uh, turtles, Galapagos uh, tortoises, right, and turtles. And I found out that a Galapagos tortoise travels at 0.16 miles per hour. So much faster than ketchup, right? But, but, but we want it to come out faster, and so there's actually a guy working on his PhD at MIT, PhD at MIT, did I say that right? Who's developed a product called Liquid Glide that you can put in your ketchup bottle to help it come out faster. Now, do we really have to move that fast that we have to speed up the flow of our ketchup in our bottle? I bypass it because we have the squeeze, you know, so we can just get it out right away. It's the pace of life. We just can't move fast enough. I was loving uh, Pastor Pablo when he was preaching last week, and he was asking us which one we would want, you know. You want the smartphone or the old cell phone? I was like, give me the old cell phone, man, when it was just a phone. When it was ju- I don't care how big it is. You know, although it was kind of cool to have it in a, like a briefcase, right? There you go. You know, let's get rid of the cars, get back to the horses, you know. Someone said, you don't have horses. I know, but I have two kids, and that works pretty good. <laughs> uh, studies show that you and I consume 34 gigabytes a day of information. 34 gigabytes and 100,000 words. 100,000 words, 34 gigabytes of information a day. Now, obviously, that's not reading all the words, but all the images that come across us, all the things that happen to us. You feel it? You feel the spin? Feel the speed? I didn't mean to bring that pain too much to you today, the, reminding you of the reality. I know you, you come to church to get a break from it all, but it's important to remember where we live our lives when we look at Scripture as well. Well, 
I believe God has a dream for us. And He invites us into His dream. And I think the book of Ephesians really spells out God's dream for His people uh, and for His church. Um, if you will, every once in a while, allow yourself to stop. That's, that's what Sabbath's about, right? Stop. To cease. To stop and think about. Think about what we're doing in this life. What we're busy with in this life. What is it that is consuming us? What do we spend our attention to? It's important for us to stop and remember what this thing called life is all about. Doesn't it just seem hard sometimes to just keep the main thing the main thing? I'm sure a lot of us at the end of our days go, so what happened today? Did I get done everything I was hoping to get done? What, what, what exactly happened today? Well, Paul in Ephesians, the last time we were looking at Ephesians, was singing. He's in prison and he's singing. He's praising God. It's a song of salvation that we looked at from verses 3 through 14. And there's three stanzas in that song, if you'll remember. One about the Father, one about the Son, and one about the Holy Spirit. And how God's activity has brought about salvation to his people. That God invites us to live life in Christ. That in Christ we're redeemed, we're restored, we're reconciled. We, we receive an inheritance in God. And so Paul is singing and praising God. But now Paul turns to prayer in verses 15 through 23. He begins to pray. I was reflecting on uh, the song of salvation that Paul was singing. And it made me think about a time when my daughter was about five years old. And uh, when she was younger, she just loved stuffed animals. Stuffed, just lots of stuffed animals. And in fact, so much so that when you'd go in her room at night to, to kiss her goodnight, you could barely find her, you know, under the pile of stuffed animals on her bed. And I remember going in there one night, and uh, she was holding on to this big white polar bear with all the other, you know, zoo of animals around her and on her. So I just walked up, and I... I picked up this, I remember it was a deer, and I started having a conversation with the polar bear. You know? I went in and I said, hey, Mr. Polar Bear, how you doing? You know, oh, we started having this little conversation, you know, where, and she would talk as the polar bear. And I remember one part of it I said, so how was your day today? And Alana, being the voice of Mr. Polar Bear, goes, oh, it was a really good day today. And I said, really, why was it such a good day today? And she goes, because Alana found me in her closet today. <laughs> and I thought, it's a good day when you get found, isn't it? When you get found, it's a good day. And that's what Paul was singing about in that first part of chapter 1. That God was intentional about finding us. That he did everything in his power through the Son and through the Holy Spirit to find us. And so he's praising God. And now as he continues to pray for the church in Ephesus and for all the churches in Asia Minor, he goes on and he says, For this reason, for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul has heard about God's work of salvation in the lives of these people, in the lives of the church, and he praises them. You know, I thought about this and I said, you know, what really makes a successful church, if you want to put the word successful on it, what makes a church successful? I think it's found right here in these two verses specifically verse 15. 
a church that is faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ and loves people. Faithfulness in God and loving people. You know, we can have all kinds of programs. We can do all kinds of things that maybe make us popular or not popular. But it all comes down. A successful church is a people who trust God and love people. A church doesn't get any better than that. That is true success in church. And he says, I haven't stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. But Paul goes on. And he says in verses 17 and 18, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, what? What does the text say? So that you may know him better. You know, in this day and age, striving for all that, you know, those 34 gigabytes that we take in every day, those 100,000 words, striving for information, trying to constantly grow and learn, looking for wisdom, looking for revelation. And Paul says, I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you will receive that so that you may know him better. That's the point. That's the point, church. The whole point in this life, if I could just say one thing this morning, And some of you may be hoping that I just say one thing this morning. The point of this life is to know Him better. Period. When we know Him better, then everything else happens in our life. When we know Him better, then we can trust Him. Because as we know Him better, we will learn that we can trust Him. We can grow in our surrender to God in trusting what he says and what he wants for us and what he wants us to do. I want to I look at a, a couple of scriptures, and they're not going to be on the screen for you. See, I kind of have this love-hate relationship with the screen. I want to make it easy for you, but at the same time, I want you to work a little bit. So uh, these couple of passages are not going to be up there. One is in John 14. In John 14, I love the conversation Jesus has with his disciples. And this is right where um, he's, Jesus says these beautiful words to his disciples. And then Thomas asks the question. Jesus says these words in verses, beginning in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then he says this to his disciples. I love this. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And I just love Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus. Picture him looking at Thomas. Better yet, I want you to imagine that you are there with the disciples. Okay? Can we just, just imagine this? And imagine Jesus looking into your eyes. And he tells you these words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, what's the way for my life? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to deal with all this speed and spin and scatteredness of life? How do I... And Jesus has an answer. 
He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I'm the life. Trust me. Trust me. You see, I actually think that when Jesus spoke the words that he spoke, he actually believed that people would believe what he said. That people would really take his words to heart as the truth about life. As the truth about how to live life on this earth and for the life to come. In John 8, he says a few more words. And he says in verse 31 and 32, Now most of us have heard the saying, right? We hear it in the world, not just in the church, but out in the world. And you've heard this statement, right? You shall know the truth, and the truth will what? The truth will make you free. Is that a truthful statement? Some of you aren't committing on the answer. It can be a truthful statement. But it wasn't everything that Jesus said. Yes, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But what he said before that was, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, Paul's reminding us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we trust Jesus, and if we really rely on him, and if we really trust his words to be the truth about life, that he really spoke the truth, and we believe his words, we hold to his teaching and who he is, he says, then you're my followers, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Church, we have to trust Jesus. We have to. All of us here in this room are facing so many different things. We're facing financial issues. We're facing health issues. We're facing relational issues. We're facing all kinds of issues. Trust Jesus. Now, I realize that's easy for me to say. It's easy to stand up here and say, trust Jesus. It's as easy as that. It is and it's not. Uh, I've, been, I've been learning a little bit about the brain these days. The brain is an amazing thing. I always, I never forgot one comedian who said, the brain is a terrible thing, and it must be stopped in our lifetime before it kills somebody. <laughs> you know your brain, right? I know my brain. Our brain is powerful, and it can play a lot of tricks on us. There's a lot of things that we can do. One of the things I learned about the brain is that there's a little phrase, um, a book I've been reading. It says, neurons that fire together, wire together. Okay? So the more you think a certain way, the more the neurons that fire like that wire like that. And so what happens, too, is that now neurons, hopefully for all of you, have been firing for a long time, right? That growing up as a child, you know, the neurons are firing, and, and you get used to thinking certain ways, and, and so much so that after a while, the neurons have fired together for, in such a certain way, you don't have to think about what you do, right? Like how you breathe. 
right? You're all breathing without having to think about breathing. There's certain things that happen, certain skills that you learn that you don't have to think about because the neurons are fired enough that that part of the brain just fires and you're there. Now that can also be a challenging thing for us in our experience with God. Because if there are neurons that have fired together, that are now wired together, that make you weary of trusting anybody or anything, that can be a challenge in trusting God. So sometimes, some of you, I know, some of you want to trust God more. And you're trying and you're trying, but the neurons have fired in such a way for so long that it's hard to do it. But the good news is, is that the mind is a wonderful thing, and God knew what he was doing when he created the mind, that as you begin to make the neuron fire in a new way, it'll wire in a new way. Now, my reason for telling you this is not because I'm a neurologist. You know that. I'm nowhere near the intelligence of a neurologist. But I want to tell you this today because I know that some of us beat ourselves up. Because we'll say sometimes, why can't I just trust God? I know all the Bible verses and I know all these things, but why can't I trust Him? And part of the reason is because for a long time, those neurons fired and they wired. So I'm just putting out there today that some of you, maybe, it would be a good idea to meet with a good Christian counselor and have them help you learn how to do that. Because you can go on beating yourself up thinking you don't have enough faith and that you're not trusting God enough. When maybe you need a, someone who's skilled in that area to help you and begin to learn how you can trust in God because you're rewiring that soul. Our God is an amazing God. Paul prays that we would know him better. And he goes on. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in verse 18 of chapter 1. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He wants our eyes of our heart, our inner eyes, you could say, to be enlightened so that we would know the hope to which he's called us. Jesus did not come to earth, die on a cross, and be raised from the dead so that you and I would have no hope. He came that we would have hope, not just in what's to come, but now. By trusting him with our lives. You see, when Jesus came, he preached that the kingdom of God, he said, the kingdom of God is now here. And he says, and this is how you get into the kingdom of God. Trust me with your life. When we trust God, then God reigns. God's kingdom happens within us. Know this hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. An inheritance that's to come, an inheritance that is now through the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. But you know what I love about God? Jesus is so powerful, and we're going to see that here. That Jesus Christ will not only get us through life, he will get us through death. Because not even death could hold your Savior there. And it says here, look at, the type of, look at the type of power that it was that is available to us in this life. That power, the second half of verse 19, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now let me stop there because our English translations don't do justice in this. He exerted when he raised Christ, and the Greek says, from the dead ones. 
Now, that's different than just saying, like, he reanimated a corpse. It's not an isolated resurrection. He brought Christ from the dead ones. In other words, what the Greek is saying, he's the first of many to come. That this is the beginning of what God is up to, of ruling not just the earth, not just the universe, but the whole cosmos. 